I was just trying to get the energy up. Lauren. That my name is Jackson. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you are new here, basically what we do is read unproduced plays and screenplays and interview the people who wrote them. That's right. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's our jobs. Well, yeah. no, incorrect at this point. <laughs> yeah, and you know, if you're not new here, something I think you should do if you haven't already, because really you should have done it by now. Good segue. Is uh, rate and review us on iTunes. <laughs> yes, correct. Correct. As you have heard, if you're not new, or if you are new, you probably haven't heard it, but now you're going to hear yeah. it, is in your review, obviously you can say whatever you want. You give us five stars, it's yes. whatever. But You can if say you... poop on a stick. <laughs> sure. If that's your heart desire, <laughs> then you can say poop on a stick. But if you don't want to say poop on a stick and you want to say something a little bit more, if you give us your detour of the week, which your detour, as you're about to find out, is just something that you watched or consumed in the past week, maybe you read, you can put that in your review and we will read it on the podcast if you give us a five-star review. Yep. Or you can roast me. And if you're new, you might not know why I'll be roastable, but I'm sure you will find out very soon with just my voices. Go. Yeah. And you know, a very sad thing, I don't think we really have any detours or roasts to read this week. I don't so think so. Keep them coming in. Keep them coming in. Yes, we want them. please. We do. We um, want them all. Yeah, but yeah, but, but in all seriousness, uh, those five-star reviews, even more so than just a plain old five-star rating, really does help us move up the charts and expose our podcast to more people. Exposed. Exposed. Okay. Exposed. Um, any hoot. Any hoot. <laughs> so now let's get into our first segment, which is our detours of the week. And as I just said, this is a segment where we talk about something that we've consumed in the past week. TV show, movie, book, play. Mm, ten-year-old video game. Ten-year-old video game. We love those too. Yeah. And... How about ladies first? Why not? Oh, uh, okay. Because that's um, how the world works. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about this week, so that's oh. fun. Um, Oof. No, but it's okay. Jackson I mean, could go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, no. Uh, a couple of days ago, we had a surprise birthday party for our friend Jacob, who has been on this podcast many times before. And will continue to be. Yeah, his birthday is actually Thursday, but... Mm -hmm. um, we had a surprise party on not his birthday, so it would be a surprise. Exactly. Um, so we let him pick out whatever movies he wanted to watch um, because he's a big film buff kind of guy. He is. And he actually decided, uh, we decided to watch the Disney Channel original movie Minutemen and also the Kim Possible movie A Stitch in Time. Yes. And both held up. Both were really great. Yes. But the one I'm going to talk about is A Stitch in Time mm. because Kim Possible was truly just um, a fixture in my childhood. And a such a time is just really great. I mean, like it has it has plot twists, it has reveals, you know, things that are really compelling to watch, even as a mostly grown adult. Um, mm -hmm. And <laughs> I like how you said mostly grown adults. We did watch this in our living room with just three twin mattresses spread across the floor yeah. and sprawled across them. So well, it was almost adults is appropriate. Yeah, it was it was an homage to uh, when you know Jackson Jacob. Um, Nick, who rents us this microphone, and Blake, who's been on here many times, when they first got to LA and they were sleeping on mattresses on the floor. Yes, that is correct. We we spent many time sleeping on mattresses on the floor, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> but hey, so a, a throwback to our to our first days out here in sunny Los Angeles. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but a stitch in time was you know it's just really great. I mean, it really shows. Um, Sort of what happens at the beginning, basically, is that, of course, Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable are this... Kim Possible. Yes. We, it's technically three episodes of the show, so we sing the theme song every time. Yes. But yeah, so Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable are this unexpected but dynamic crime-fighting duo. Mm -hmm. And um, at the very beginning of the movie, they get split up because Ron's mom gets relocated to Norway... And this cracked me up. His dad says, you know, because Ron's like, oh, well, what about you, dad? Like, can you work in Norway? And he says, 
I'm an actuary. I can work anywhere where there's a dollar sign on human life. And yep. I was shook. <laughs> the social commentary <laughs> sprinkled throughout this movie is pretty astounding. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, um, so he gets moved to Norway and they try to continue keeping in touch and, you know, fighting crime together. But it's really just not working out because Ron is so far away that it's just hard for him to get anywhere in a timely manner to help her out. Yeah. Um, Where do they get all their money from? I forget. Like, how how, are, how do they have the funds to do I all this? I don't know. Mm. I don't think they ever really talk about that. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like Kim's family is clearly wealthy, but also probably the government. Because yeah, they do kind of talk like... about Kim Possible's origin story a lot in A Stitch in Time, because they go back to when she's in preschool, and then when she first makes her website that's originally for babysitting, not crime fighting. Um, and it's really just like, you know, she's like a gymnast and she's like on the cheerleading team. So she kind of can do all this acrobatic stuff, but she then kills that she cheer routine. There, she there's, does. there's a sequence in the film where, where Bonnie gives her like an impossibly hard cheer routine for tryouts. And she just kills that she with kills a smile it. on her face the whole time. Yeah. As cheerleaders do. Anyways, continue yeah. on. Oh, but yeah, I mean, it's. Um, they, they kind of talk about her origin story and she does a crazy acrobatic thing in between a bunch of lasers, but yeah, I mean, they never really talk about where she starts getting all the gadgets from. If someone knows, drop it in our iTunes reviews. We'll read it. If it's five stars. Yay. <laughs> if it's five stars. Or, yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. A Stitch in Time just really held up. Uh, it was great to see Shigo again. Love her. Shigo. I she didn't was my know this. childhood idol. I didn't know this. My family will appreciate this piece of trivia, I think. The voice of Shigo is voiced by the character of the the same actress who plays the character of Holly in King of Queens, which is I guess Kinda a crazy. bit of a niche reference if you don't know ninety sitcoms. But King of Queens starring Kevin James, yes, the actress, and I had no idea. But so it was interesting. So after hearing that, after seeing that, I could not hear Shigo without also seeing Holly from King of Queens. Yeah. So that's fun. Well, and speaking of Shigo, Shigo finally gets like what she deserves in this movie in not in the sense of like her getting her comeuppance, but in the sense of like, you know, she, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if it's really a spoiler, but spoiler, like, if you don't want spoilers for Kim possible, a stitch in time, <laughs> then fast forward a minute. But like she becomes the supreme leader in the future. Like she basically makes all of the other villains. Cause you know, there are a bunch of other Kim possible villains who kind of join forces in this to defeat Kim possible. Um, and Shigo basically just takes control of the whole operation and becomes supreme leader of the future and everyone wears green and black like Shigo and it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of great. It is. Kind of wanted Shigo to win a little bit. Yeah. But... <laughs> a, a little bit that's like pulling for Shigo there. A yeah. Little bit. Uh, other things, everyone's ripped in the future. Yes. So, so Wade and Dr. Kim Draken. Dr. Draken, Kim Possible's two brothers, all jacked. Yeah. And it, as well as also, Rufus. Also Rufus. Rufus 3000 is, is yeah. incredible. Well, and they refer to the original Rufus as Rufus, Rufus Prime. Rufus Prime. <laughs> it's, it's very great. good. It's, yeah. it's a really great, honestly, like... Go on Disney Plus. It's I'll have to ask them what episodes it was because they didn't have the actual like the version that's edited into a movie. Yeah. But you can go through and find the three episodes. So we'll find those out and put them in the description. Yes, I'm looking it up really quickly. I I know the episodes are called Past, Present, and Future, oh. but I don't know which. I think it's it's towards the end of season season two. Yeah. Season two. So look, <laughs> if you have Disney Plus, it's on Disney Plus. All of Kim Possible is on Disney Plus. So yeah. look that up. Season two, towards the end, past, present, future. Those are the episodes. Yay! A lovely little watch for your celebrating your 24-year-old housemaid's birthday. Yay! <laughs> a great, a great time. Alrighty. So my detour this week is a little series on that little streaming service called Netflix. A little what? something called... Umbrella Academy. So Lauren had watched this a while ago, and I had yeah, actually I watched it like a year ago. Yeah, well, because that's when it, around when I first came out, right? Yeah, it was I watched last year. it. I was a little bit late, but yeah, sure. But I had started watching it around when it first came out, and I I didn't super get into it. I only watched like half of the first episode though, so that was my fault. But yeah. Lauren was like, "We have to watch Umbrella Academy. We have to watch Umbrella Academy. We have to watch Umbrella Academy." <laughs> and I said, "Fine." And then once the series was over, I said, thank you, Lauren, because it was awesome. It <laughs> it's was so it's good. A, it's a really good series. It follows this family, I guess, family in quotes, um, yeah. 
basically... They're not related. It's a bunch of adopted siblings. Correct. So they were all born at the same time on the same day. And... From mothers who were not pregnant up until the moment they gave birth. Correct. But they all have their own individual superpowers. So, for instance, uh, number one, Luther, he is very strong. And that's all I'm going to say, because there is a bit of a reveal that comes along yeah. with that. So I don't want to spoil any of the... There are lots of big reveals, but there are like there are some powers that we're aware of right at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. And so e each one has their own individual power. Mm -hmm. And it starts off and they're sort of estranged from each other. Like they haven't really talked to each other in a while, but they're all brought together by their father dying. And by the way, their father, he was this like billionaire guy and he mm -hmm. basically went to all of these mothers around the world. Good context, um, yeah. Yeah, and offered to like basically buy or adopt these children in any way he could. And there I'm were sure like money 40, was exchanged. There were like 40 something of the kids and he got seven of them. Yeah. So I wonder, do other kids have powers then? I would assume. Yeah. Mm, maybe that will be I would assume like season they wouldn't two. all be concentrated in these. That's true. Season two. But yeah, it's very, very good. It's also written by, well, at least the concept and the original comic book that it's based yes, on based off comic is book. by Gerard Way, who you may know as the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. True, true. I did forget about that. That's super cool. Yeah. He actually makes a tiny, tiny cameo in season one um, where he is, he's not like physically in it, but um, um, Vanya, who's number seven, writes a book. And at one point, she's looking at her dad's copy of the book, which he clearly never read. Mm -hmm. And there's a review on the back of the book by Gerard Way. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So a little, little Easter egg, I yeah. guess. So, so in addition, a little more context for the series. So the first six, for the most part, remained together fighting crime when they were young. Yeah. The seventh, Vanya, seems to have no powers. She, she was never... She plays the violin well, period, yeah, end of story. Yeah, but she was always separated from the other kids. Correct. And so sort of their coming together is difficult because Vanya has never felt like she's part of the family. You know, there have been other deaths in the family, which I, you know, won't reveal. But essentially, by the end of the script, you find out they have to stop the apocalypse. Yes. And so that's sort of where the, the first season continues, ends, and it ends in a really cool spot. Yes. I want to talk about it more, but we can't. But that's fine. Yeah. Spoilers. Because y'all can watch it on good old Netflix. Yeah, but this is a great time to watch it because season two is coming out like mid to end of July. I think so it is. Really, I think it's really like really end of soon. July. Isn't it like yeah. 31st I think it's or like, yeah, July 30th, July 31st, something yeah. like that. So this would be a perfect time to watch it if you hadn't. Get it's it on fresh Netflix. in your minds. Yeah. Watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I watched it at the perfect time because it's like I have time to process it and have a little time to be get like excited for the second season. For sure. But it's not too far away that I've like forgotten stuff and things like that. So it's it's a really cool series. What else is there to say about it? The characters are all great. It's it's a different kind of superhero yeah. superhero Definitely. story. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because There's... they were all sort of raised to believe like, oh, well, our journey and our purpose is to save the world. But then they also feel very lost in that. Yeah. You know, and a lot of them feel like their superpowers have almost been more of a hindrance. So like there's a character um, who... Her superpower is basically saying, I heard a rumor, and then she can say whatever. You know, she might say, I heard a rumor that you were really tired and the person would fall asleep. Yeah. You know, it's she can... very Jedi mind tricky. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, for her, in some ways, her superpower has helped her get where she is, but in some ways, it's also destroyed relationships in her life and things like that. So mm -hmm. it's just a really interesting way to look at superpowers and how they're not always good for you, yeah. you know, and how um, they can really take a toll on the person who has them, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting in a similar way that The Boys is interesting, the series on Amazon, but it's different from The Boys because I feel like The Boys is, it deals with a different kind of superhero story, looking at it from like a societal perspective and how people with superpowers can influence and how people can take advantage of people with superpowers. But this deals with it from a very human perspective where it's Definitely. like how it affects individual people, individual families and people who are close to them without being directly involved, which I think is a really cool thing. And it's written really well. There are great side characters too. The like, soundtrack is fabulous. The soundtrack is perfect it's it's really cool i have had happy together by the turtles stuck in my happy head since i watched together. it a year ago <laughs> yeah anyway i can't see me nobody but you cut off because copyright okay um <laughs> but yeah very good show on netflix 
So if you have a Netflix account, you can watch it for free. I put in quotes because you have to pay for the Netflix. But that's it. Pretty good. Those are Uh, our terms. I guess, yeah, one other thing we were going to talk about real quick that we both watched last night. Oh, true. Also, shout out to my father for renting it on Amazon and then letting us watch it on his account. Second week in a row (laughs) that we talked about that. Um, So we watched Irresistible, which is a new movie starring Chris Cooper and... um, Steve, Steve Carell, Carell written Burn. by, right, uh, written and directed by John Stewart. Mm-hmm. John Stewart, if you don't know, from, he was the original host of The Daily Show yeah. with John Stewart. But yeah, so basically Irresistible, I think like, I mentioned this last night, but one of my big critiques is that um, the title and also the, the main poster really give you no insight into what this movie is about. I agree with the poster, I disagree with the title, okay. but we talked about that. But anyway, <laughs> um... So basically, Steve Carell is a democratic political consultant. Mm -hmm. And kind of the premise is that, you know, he's obviously a fictitious character. His name is Gary. But he supposedly ran or at least was a major player in Hillary Clinton's campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, Which obviously did not pan out. Yeah. As we were living in the aftermath of that society. Yeah. So I believe this technically takes place. It's before the midterms. Because they talk about the midterms being in the future. Yeah. So, um... Basically, they're trying to find uh, people to run in smaller elections in swing states. So uh, they find this guy who's Chris Cooper, who is a uh, former Marine living in a small town called Deerlocken in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And they see him talk to the city council about how... There was a YouTube video released, and that's how they yeah, see yeah, 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 yeah. There was a YouTube video released of him standing up for uh, mostly immigrants at a city council meeting saying that you shouldn't have to present ID to receive welfare benefits or food stamps or anything like that. Um, so the Democratic Party, you know, the, the bigwigs decide to jump on this mm-hmm. and convince this man to run for mayor, fund his campaign, help him win, basically, mm-hmm. to put this town in Wisconsin on the map and try to begin, I guess, converting Wisconsin as a whole. Yeah, and and the idea is that he is someone who you would look at and think, this guy's probably a Republican. Yeah. But in fact, his ideals more represent the Democratic Party. So in other words, trying to pull some of those uh, maybe either on-the-fence voters or even some Republicans over to the Democratic Party. Because especially in some, like, swing states, you know, it's thousands of votes that that decide very small margins. So if they can do that, it can very help the the cause of the Democratic Party. Absolutely. Yeah, so Steve Carell goes, he goes to Wisconsin, you know, he there wouldn't be a movie if he didn't, so this isn't a spoiler. <laughs> he convinces uh, the, uh, Colonel... What's it, Colonel... It's Jack Hastings? Jack Hastings. Colonel Jack Hastings. Colonel Jack Hastings, thank you, sir, for your service. He convinces him to run for mayor in this small town in Wisconsin, Deerlocken. And so it's sort of... It goes... It takes you a lot through the process of what running for office looks like yeah. and how getting involved as as an outsider in a small town comes with its own unique challenges. For sure. And yeah, it's really interesting. One thing that I did not expect uh, to have in a movie like this was a actual massive twist at the end of the movie. Yeah, massive twist. It There's, was crazy. Yeah. We, we can't talk about it. No, but. for sure. But th- there is there is a big sort of reveal at the end. And it's 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 really interesting. Jon Stewart is... is I, I've always found his opinion uh, really, really smart. I think he's a really smart guy. Yeah. The writing and was really strong in The this. writing was definitely really strong. Steve Carell does a good job yeah. of playing sort for of the, sure. the DC outsider. Uh, Chris Cooper does a great job. Mackenzie Davis. Every the acting is really strong. Yeah, I think, and yeah, it's it's a good story. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not like I wouldn't say it's. I mean, it has like three and a half stars on Amazon Prime, which I would say is probably accurate. It's not yeah. like the most groundbreaking thing I've ever seen, but it is definitely a a sort of comedic fun look into what the election process looks like and it, you know, it definitely has some eye-opening moments. So, I mm-hmm. would say it's worth a watch. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All righty. Those are our detours for the week. Yeah. So, when we come back, we will be reading an excerpt from a longer play called The New Couch by Ryan DeAngelis. Um, it's just about the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And Yeah, I hope you enjoy when we come back.
everybody, welcome back to the green light. Green Thank green you. Thank wow. Y'all were on it. That is perfect. Uh, I am Jackson, as you know. I'm Lauren. And your favorite Target employee's back. It's Bailey. Burr, burr, burr. Bailey coming in here actually right before she goes into a shift at Target. A real trooper, to be yeah. honest. Right before an eight-hour shift. <laughs> Catch me at guest services. Yes, and we will. Are you officially like working at guest services now? Yeah, you heard it first, green light. I'm officially Whoa. working at guest Whoa. services. Whoa. Taking your returns. That is that is incredible. I'm going to buy something at Target and return it. And hate it just so I can return it. You don't have to do that. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's fair, too. <laughs> great. Oh, I have such great friends. Yes. Uh, so today we will be reading The New Couch by Ryan DeAngelis, a great little play. And without further ado, or yeah. it's an excerpt. Oh, and this is a yeah. From this is the play. first scene of a longer play. Yes. So without further ado, let's get into it with a little bit of of character stuff. So I am Jackson, and I will be reading stage directions. I am Lauren, and I will be playing Rachel. I am Bailey, and I will be reading for Jen. And let's get into it. Woo! The new couch by Ryan DeAngelis. Setting: a couch that's in good condition but still shows signs of use from a previous owner. On one end of the stage, there's an opening which leads to the bedroom, and on the opposite end, there's the apartment door. All other set pieces change for each scene. Cardboard moving boxes are stacked in a rough wall around the space. Scene begins with the characters in the middle of the conversation. I'm sorry, I know I should have... I don't know what else to say. I know, because there's nothing else to say. I... I don't know, I... It feels like we're really, like... Not close right now, you know? Like, there's something in the past few days that just makes it feel like we're... We're what? I guess it's that we're getting... Ugh. Angry? No, that's... Oh, what's the word? Oh. Distant? Oh, uh, yeah, distant. That's the word. Giggles a bit, but then quickly silences it when she realizes Rachel isn't laughing along. So, is there anything I can do to try and... Connect more, support you, help you, something? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Pause. They sit back to back on the couch, facing opposite walls. What do you want to do now? Well, I want to go to bed. I'm pretty sure we still need to get the mattress out. But that takes effort. Uh, I mean, we're already at the couch. I'm pretty sure it's a pullout. You need to get up early for your meeting tomorrow. So? You think we're going to sleep much on this shit? I don't know. You probably could. What? What? Come on, I don't sleep that hard. Babe, last time we were on vacation, you almost missed the airport shuttle because your alarms weren't loud enough. I had to wake you up. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Good thing I was there, right? I guess so. They laugh slightly. Pause. So what are we going to do with these boxes? Uh, boxes. It's 10.31. We're not going to get everything unpacked in one go unless we're willing to stay up until five or something. And I don't know about you, but I'm not in the mood for that right now. Yeah, me neither. I'm just kind of done. Though thinking about it, we should at least try to get the bed built. I'd prefer not to sleep on the floor if possible. Can we just, like, put the mattress on the floor? I don't think assembling a bed is the best idea right now. Fair enough, I guess. We should probably try to at least have something presentable, though. We're not hosting anytime soon, Rach. We can take our time. Fine, fine. Just promise me we'll have everything unpacked by Wednesday. Deal. They kiss, then look into each other's eyes. We're here. Yeah. In our own apartment. In the city, no less. I know, it's crazy. Pause. Jen starts questioning Rachel's genuineness in her head. Well, we should probably head to bed. Rachel starts to head towards the bedroom. Uh, hey, uh, Rach? Yeah? I'm sorry about, you know, not putting in my... I know, Jen. I know. Okay. Pause. Jen visibly starts going into her thoughts. Rachel walks over to her. Hey, are you okay? Nodding slightly under her breath. Yeah, I'm fine. Is something wrong? Jen shows signs of panicking, though she's trying to hide it. She starts to turn away. Jen. Jen, what's going on? She starts walking fast towards the door, her state getting worse. Rachel keeps with her. Something's wrong. What do you need? Please. Please don't hurt me. Jen, I'm not going to do anything to you. 
Let's get you to the couch for a second. You need to relax. She tugs on Jen's arm, but doing so only makes her panic worse. Jen. Jen, it's me. No response. She moves closer to her and makes her voice softer and more assuring. Jen, baby, it's Rachel. Love, look, it's me, okay? I'm not going to do anything, I promise. I just want to get you to the couch. Can I do that? Jen doesn't respond, but still approves. They move slowly to the couch. She doesn't resist Rachel's guidance, but is clearly in a different place. It's okay. We're here. You're safe now. It's just your mind playing tricks on you again. You're trapped in your thoughts right now. Let's see if we can get you out. She starts comforting when Jen begins to cry. Oh God, this is a bad one. Stay here for a second. I think I know where the blankets are. She searches through the boxes. The crying gets more intense and visceral. She finds the blanket and brings it to the couch. I found this. We'll see if it helps. She pulls the blanket over Jen and holds her. Jen gets slightly calmer. Would trance help? Jen nods slightly and shakily pulls her arms out of the blanket, holding her palm out. Rachel holds her hand and rubs her thumb around Jen's palm, putting her into a relaxed state. There you go, babe. Just let go. Relax. Let yourself forget everything and just focus on my voice, okay? Jen goes into a deeper relaxation. Perfect. When I let go, feel free to come out and wake up with a clear mind. Rachel releases her thumb, and Jen starts to come back to reality. She looks around. I, uh, um, s- sorry. Are you feeling better now? Yeah, I-, I think I'm fine now. It's just, it's scary, you know? What happened? I, I was just like, I was there again, I guess. The old couch? Jen nods. Was what I did helpful? I I think so. I just... Your voice helped, at least. What about... Motioning her thumb on her palm, like before. uh, This. I think... uh, Yeah. It kind of gave me a way to step back, I guess. Get out of my head a bit. Do you want a drink? Tea? Water? Something like that? Tea would be nice. Okay. Will you still be okay if I get up to go make it? Yeah, I think I'm stable now. She goes and makes the tea. Jen goes into a deep thought, which breaks when Rachel brings over the mug. Thanks. No problem. Um, so, I I was... Yes? Is it okay if I ask you something? Yeah, sure, of course. I, uh... Do you think I'm the problem? Do you think that I'm the thing that's pushing us apart? What? No, not at all. What makes you think I would? I just, I get the sense that, that that I'm a destroyer, I guess. That I'm hurting you, giving you pain that you don't want, and that to get away you'll you'll dump me, or... No, 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 no. Are you alright? Are you, are you falling in again? Because if you are, I can... No, no, I'm fine. I'm not going into anything. My head's straight, I promise. Well, neither of us is straight, but carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I just... I don't know, I, I just have this worry sometimes that since you spend so much time caring for me and my issues and all that, that it's not it's not fair, I guess. All's fair in love and war, my dear. Funny. But it's not, though. I feel like I'm a leech on you, taking all of your energy and time and resources and attention and never giving you anything in return, and that's why you'll leave. Hey, I'm not going to leave you. Why would I? You've been through some shit, but we can't fix any of it if we just try to ignore it, put it away, and never mention it. Besides, it's not like I'm in any way perfect. I'm stubborn, show-offy, and I don't know how to interact with people without being an asshole. You have to deal with my shit way more than I do anything for you. I love you. So much. And truth is, I can't let us split up over anything. I'd be too heartbroken to function at that point. You mean so much to me, and I need you. You're my source of joy. Hell, do you think I'd be in this city if it weren't for you? Not even close. I'd still be living with my parents and wherever the fuck making six fifty an hour and pretending I still like asshat guys. If I wasn't with you, I don't know what my life would look like at this point. You've led me by example in a lot of things. Sorry, that was a ramble. Point being, you add a lot to my life, and I'm never going to be anywhere but by your side. Promise?
promise. Jen smiles and they kiss. Rachel checks the time on her phone. <sighs> it's late. We should probably go to bed. Yeah. They get up and start moving towards the bedroom. So, who will have the honor of setting up the mattress? Not me. I've been carrying this shit all day. Motion towards boxes. Besides, I'm not the one who left her girl at home while she was with some dealer guy. Hey, Joel Bennett's one of the most prominent dealers in the city. From what I hear, he's becoming the next Clement Greenberg. You'll be thankful that I met with him. Rachel gives her a look. Okay, fine. How about we work together on it? That's my girl. They laugh as they enter the bedroom, shutting off the lights in the main room. Various sounds can be heard as the mattress is set up. From offstage. Eh, it's good enough for now. If you say so. They get into bed. Good night. Good night. I love you. Love you too. A switch click is heard, and the lights coming out of the bedroom shut off. Green light. Uh, we just read an excerpt from The New Couch by Ryan DeAngelis, and we have Ryan here with us. So, hi, how are you doing? Hello, I am very, very good, thank you. Good, cool. good. Kind of a crazy time, but it's it's good to know that you're, you're doing well. Um, so let's sort of, let's, I guess, just jump right into it, uh, kind of, kind of ease in a little bit to tip our, dip our toe in the water, if you will. Yeah. So just give us your, oh wait, that's, I, I did this last week too. No, that's I, okay. I read things in quick. Lauren's going to ask you a question yeah. first, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, we just kind of wanted to ask you to introduce yourself a little bit and give you, us your writer origin story. Uh, yeah, so my kind of writer origin is... Basically, it, I started writing in basically high school. Mm -hmm. uh, before then, I thought I was going to be a mechanical engineer. Wow. wow. Nope. That, <laughs> no. Um, and so, but I, I started writing in high school. I, I joined my high school's theater company because basically my siblings had done it. And I just wanted to, like, continue the legacy. And then I fell in love. Mm. And... It, and so then I started writing for theater probably about sophomore year of high school. And everything I wrote, I just absolutely hated. So that was fun. <laughs> and then um, and then I kind of started, but I was writing and I was then acting as well. And I just kept going with it because I knew I loved writing. I just didn't like the things I was writing. And so I, you know, eventually like got to college and started getting involved in stuff and, you know, found like other people who were writing plays mm -hmm. and, you know, took that and also the experience of acting in shows and doing that kind of thing. And, you know, just con just continued it. Um, and then, you know, along and just developed it along with all of the other stuff that I do. Sure. Yes. That's awesome. That's a really cool story. Um, I, I, I love to hear stuff like that. I guess in a similar way, that's kind of how I got started. Like, I sort of just fell into it as well. We had mm. to take an elective at my high school. And so I was just like, I don't know, I guess I'll take drama course, whatever. <laughs> and, and, you know, sort of sort of fell in love from there and just like kept going. Um, but so you uh, you said you were uh, continuing theater in college. If you don't mind, uh, where do you go to college? I go to Connecticut College. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Are you from the Northeast? Uh, yeah, I'm from Connecticut. Cool. Okay, cool, nice. Cool, cool, cool. We are from the Southeast, North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, we're from North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so East Coast, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now let's dive right into the script itself. So, yeah, just, just initially, where did your inspiration for this script come from? The kind of origin of it was there was a playwrights festival at my school, hmm. and... I had a script that I was kind of working on that I could have used because I should, had been used for other like staged reading stuff before, but I didn't want to use it partly because it was inspired by the plays of Gertrude Stein, which if you've seen those mm -hmm. plays, they don't read like plays. Hmm. And so I had to like guide, every, you know, I had to just like guide people through the reading and that wasn't something I wanted to do. So I wanted to have something original to put up. 
And I originally was planning on making it like a comedic farce hmm. where I where it would be like the scene would start and then it would just end. And basically the the writer forgot to finish the script and now everyone's figuring out what to do. Huh. Oh, interesting. Interesting. That's yeah, a little so... bit of a, like Edwin Drudish, I guess. Yeah. Except that, you know, I mean, Charles Dickens just uh, died. He didn't intentionally leave it <laughs> yeah. unfinished. So, so, so slightly different situations, <laughs> yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And so I was writing that and basically I started writing the scene and then I got to the point and I was like, okay, this is like a cutoff point. This would work for the thing. But I really like the scene as it is, and I kind of want to see it continue. So I literally just flipped a coin. It was heads, I continue the scene. Tails, I continue with the original plan I had. And I got heads, and then I just continued writing it. And then I just, you know, wrote the script, and I just, you know, fell in love with, like, the characters and stuff that was happening. Hmm. And then I actually didn't end up submitting it for the player festival because I was late editing it. But... It was just really fun to work on. And, you know, then I was looking at what I had and I was just thought, these characters deserve more. Hmm. And so I just, you know, started writing more scenes and, you know, now, and so, you know, I'm, and I'm still writing scenes. Oh, that's so cool. cool. I love, I love that twist of fate that led you to, yeah. to, <laughs> to the script that you ended up with. That's so cool. Yeah. So I really loved, and bo- both Lauren and I loved, sort of the your your writing style and the way that you wrote the dialogue. It's very natural, very conversational. Lauren's talked multiple times on this podcast about how she <laughs> loves slice-of-life things, that that's her favorite. So uh, talk about that, like your, your style overall, and like what effect you hope that has on your audience. Uh, my style in terms of conversation, I, you know, Frankly, I think the reason I write very conversational is because that is the way I can write. Hmm. Um, and I just try and not mimic speech necessarily, because I think, you know, dialogue in a dramatic piece has to be different from pure natural, you know, sure. like, conversation. But, you know, trying to make it feel just real. Hmm. And, you know, part of the way I do that is by noticing the ways that people you know stop or start or repeat words or use um you know stuff like um or like and things like that just to pad up the sentence i guess um i know there's a linguistic term for it i cannot <laughs> think of it right now it's like colloquialism uh, maybe maybe colloquialism. i the the word in my head is back channel, but I okay. don't think that's what it is. I I'm sure we'll we'll find out eventually. But yeah, we we <laughs> we get exactly what you're saying. That's yeah. that's that's really cool. And I think as actors, I know that's very freeing to like yeah. to see stuff like that. And it's like oh, thank goodness, it's just something that like yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> I can just actually easy. say it, yeah, it flows. exactly. And I'm sure that probably comes a little bit from your background as an actor and just yeah. for, from from working through that. Uh, do you still act, by the way? Yes, I do. Oh, very cool. Cool. Very, very, very cool. So just just three actors sitting around talking, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess so. Yeah. It's definitely really interesting that, you know, you originally started wanting to make this a farce, um, and then it just turned into something that was, you know, very, very naturalistic and definitely a drama. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we really like where it went obviously mm-hmm. um so one thing that i really like about this and i know jackson really liked about it is that um right at the beginning they're in conflict you know there's not any sort of lead up to it it's not like they walk in the door you know it's not like a barefoot in the park i guess when they you know move they go into the apartment and then immediately the guy's like uh this is so small yeah <laughs> you know but um it starts immediately in conflict and that really caught our attention so can you talk about your decision to just start this play in the middle of the conversation and in the middle of a conflict yeah i think the reason i did that i don't remember specifically i think it might have related to the farce i was originally writing Mm. and that i wanted to there just immediately be like um you know immediate like high energy sure um to then contrast and then 
and I, you know, and then you, it just ended up sticking. But I think in terms of, you know, germ, dramatic technique, I guess, I think starting off in the middle of a conversation, I, I really like um, Enmedias Res type writing. Hmm. And it just because I think it does kind of feel uh, more natural in a way. And it, you know, because I think if, you're having like a start and it's like, yeah, they, you know, walk in and it's like, Oh, th-, you know, that kind of thing. It's, you either have to like make like, sometimes you have to like manufacture it. Mm-hmm. Cause even if someone's like, cause even if you're, you know, entering the room, like you might still be in the middle of a conversation. Exactly. For sure. So, yeah. They so went to I silent think, on the way up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was part of uh, the reason for that is just cause I, wanted it to be in there and also part of it is that we don't know specifically what they're fighting about yes right and i love that i love that (laughs) and it's one of those things where i mean there's a lot of like stuff in the script both in this scene and in in later ones where it's you know it's like what what are the specifics of this or what are like the hidden details here and i'm and i just like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so i just kind of um, just let it be as it is. Yeah, and I mean, something that I liked about this is, you know, I think a lot of times um, with sort of relationship dramas, a lot of times the fight feels like it's about something very vague. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just in general like, oh, well, you never pay enough attention to me and I just want you to leave and mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Um, and I, I felt like with this, it was almost like, even though the words they were using weren't very specific, it just felt like the two of them knew exactly what it was about. You know, it, it felt specific, even though the language was a little bit vague. Mm-hmm. And that was something I thought was really cool because you don't, you know, like when you have a real fight, you don't necessarily yell to the audience, you know, exactly yeah. what it's about. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah. And it adds intrigue, too. Right. Because it's like at the beginning, you know, you don't know what they're arguing about, but you like want to know what they're arguing about. Sure. And it's, it's like, really engaging. Yeah, it is. So so we, we both really enjoyed that. Uh, so this is a story about two women who are in a relationship. But something that I liked about it is that, you know, a lot of times when um, you see stories about same sex couples, it's it's about the struggles that they face by being a same-sex couple, Mm -hmm. you know? And something I liked about this is that it was just a very regular relationship story. You know, their struggle isn't necessarily about the fact that they're two women who are together. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you think that this is something that popular media is missing? And what do you think should be done to fix that, if so? I think, yeah. I mean, I I think it's one of those things where whenever there's kind of a group that isn't the majority Mm -hmm. the media wants to focus on the fact that they are not the majority Mm -hmm. the fact that they are a minority and so you know i think that's why we we see yeah like you know gay couples where the only story is about the fact that they're gay or like Mm -hmm. you know and same with trans people and you know that kind of thing and yeah i think there definitely is something missing there and i the the thing that's really like not there which is kind of what I wanted to do with this script is that it's the living that it doesn't give these people the chance to just live their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I mean, a lot of stories in media about gay people are about like coming out and stuff. And that is certainly important. Mm-hmm. That is certainly a story worth telling, but also, you know, it is, you know, being gay is an aspect of someone. Yeah who is a fully formed person and is not just one attribute. And I think that's kind of the thing that really needs to be, you know, put into like media makers heads. Yeah. 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 And I think that can, I think a big way that can like start is by just giving voices to marginalized people, you know, and like letting them tell their story, whether it be about their struggle or not about their struggle, you know, Let, let them tell their story in the way that they see fit. And I think, Hopefully that's the direction that media is heading. Um, so, so we uh, obviously, so the name of this is the new couch. There is a moment yeah. in in these first five or so pages where you reference the old couch, and so obviously that that the this couch 
or the old and new couch are, are big parts of this. So what, what can you tell us about like the symbolism of this couch and what, what that sort of means for the overall story? Uh, yeah, the, the idea with the new couch is it's a symbol of not like getting over, but kind of accepting and moving on mm. because when it, because when uh, Rachel is saying like you're you know back at the old couch, what she's referencing is the fact that um, Jen has trauma from an abusive relationship, mm. and that you know she and that you know she's still very much dealing with like the the moment where she's like you know very like clearly out of it is she's in a flashback, yeah, uh, and so that was yeah so that's kind of you know, the reference there and the the idea of like the the new couch is that you know it's still a couch it's still there and it has it might have the memory of what was previously there but it's not that and you know rachel rachel is not jen's previous partner Mm -hmm. and i think you know that's kind of the the symbolism of it and also like the fact that they're like moving in at the time of you know this scene happening Mm -hmm. also you know, it's it's a change and it's a chance for them to kind of figure you know figure this out and figure out how to accept what's happened and figure out how to live with it. Mm. That's so cool. That is. It's like it's really kind of like a way to say you know this time is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really like that. Um, so this is something I like to ask everyone. But if you had to change everything else in the script, you could only keep one moment. Which moment would that be? What's your favorite moment in the script? At least in this excerpt. Um, I think... I Okay, like, I think my favorite line in the script is, um, neither of us are straight, but I'm not going to make it that. <laughs> that is a great uh, line. We'll let you keep two things. We'll let you keep two. <laughs> uh, but, but I think the, ma- the moment that really strikes me as, like, central is um the moment where they're on the couch and, and the the trance moment mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that i think that one is really like part you know the thing that i is kind of the core in a sense yeah and i thought it was uh i thought it was cool with that moment where you know rachel does the thing with her thumb and then sort of asks later you know did that help was that okay so it's clear that she's helped her through these moments before but is still sort of learn. They're both still learning how to deal with it and are going to continue to learn how to deal with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was, that was something I thought was cool. Yeah. And I'll, and yeah, with the thumb thing, you know, specifically like it's actually um, what's called a post hypnotic trigger, hmm. which is basically so like pull it, someone out. it. Yeah. So what it basically can do is, and I am not an expert in this, so <laughs> someone correct me if I'm wrong, but uh basically it allows when someone is out of trance to you know have a specific kind of uh gesture or something happen so in this case it was her rubbing her thumb on her palm Hmm. and it basically kind of triggers a specific response um so i you know i'm and so like in this case the kind of response that had been programmed prior was um, was that it would kind of just, like, just, you know, give her this sense of, like, bursting, bursting calm, and mm-hmm. burst, and which just giving her, like, enough of a chance to just, you know, realize that, you know, she doesn't need to be in the in state, that she can get out of it, sure. um, and also that she can't, that she can be out of the flashback. Oh, that's okay. really cool. That's so cool. That's awesome. Did you know about that before writing this, or did you did you do some research to 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 find that? Uh, I knew that it was a thing beforehand, mm-hmm. um, and then I had to, and but then I, because I you know I'm not, I know people who who have played with this kind of stuff, but I I have not. Mm-hmm. So I kind of so I had to like ask them, and I was like, okay, this is the situation that's trying to happen in the script is this a thing that can actually happen in the real world? And they were like, yeah, this could totally happen. And I'm like, yes. Oh, awesome. Cool. That is, that's, that's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. I, I love that. I love that moment too. That's really, really cool moment of them 
together and 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 really seeing sort of a, a more vulnerable side of Rachel as well I think in a way yeah. uh, e- even though you know Jen is the one going through it Rachel Rachel has to you know come in for support which is really cool um, so yeah those are all of our questions about your lovely lovely script so now we have some questions about you Ryan so when when you initially emailed us uh, your script you said your approach to making things is called medium agnostic because of all the mediums you work in. So I'd love to hear more about that and, and what that sort of means to you. Yeah, so so the, the specific phrase medium agnostic was introduced to me by one of the art professors at my school. And I just felt, and I was like, that is exactly what I am. <laughs> because basically my approach is I use whatever medium communicates the idea best. Sure. And so sometimes, you know, that's a play. Sometimes it's, you know, a a short poem. Sometimes it's a visual art piece. Sometimes it's a sculpture. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, a non-theatrical performance piece. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are kind of on the table for me. And it allows me to kind of figure out exactly how I want to express things. Because each medium is able to do specific things and give specific effects mm-hmm. that the other mediums not that they necessarily can't but it's much harder mm-hmm. because yeah. it's not as ingrained in the medium going off of that is there a medium you haven't worked in but want to try um i haven't done as much sculpture as i would like hmm. i think that like i have like a a sculpture that I've been wanting to do for a while that I just haven't done because I I just you know it would take like materials and stuff that I just currently don't have sure sure so I think definitely I want to get more into sculpture but also just because my the you know the stuff that I make in terms of visual art is often like conceptual minimalist Mm-hmm. type of work um you know it's it's one of those things where because i'm very into like modern and contemporary art history and you know i think the main thing that that emphasizes for me is that not everything is art but there is nothing that cannot be art hmm. and, and so that's something that i'm constantly playing with in terms of figuring out new mediums new forms of expression everything like that that's, that's amazing awesome. yeah uh, so speaking of art and just how it's presented, um, how do you think theaters around the country should respond to the no- the new normal of living life in a global pandemic? And also kind of to build on that, how do you make theater, which is sort of by definition an art that requires sharing a space without being able to be within six feet of each other? Yeah, I think, you know, it's gonna, yeah, that's a very, very like difficult question and it's something that like i've been you know dealing with you know thinking about for the like entire length of the pandemic Mm -hmm. at one point i actually wrote a short script that was like meant to be performed over video chat Hmm. and um but i think in terms of that i think it's a lot of it is you know connection with the audience and how do we make that happen from you know, even further away than it might be. And also, I think, you know, kind of, you know, if let's say, you know, you're in a physical space, but everyone's spread around, then, you know, maybe play into that. Hmm. Yeah. You know, kind, you know if, if everyone has to be at least six feet away, then make your piece about isolation or something like that. Hmm. You, know, may, you know, maybe do something like uh, The Encounter or something like that. That, you know, that kind of, like very specific thematic uh, design. That's a good way to think about it. Something that I think could could actually be, I don't know, I, I hate to say a good thing to come out of the pandemic, but <laughs> um, I think that a lot of times professional theater companies and you know, regional theaters, even Broadway, gets really stuck in doing the same shows over and over and doing revivals and, you know, mm. doing Oklahoma again <laughs> because they know that that's something people know. You know, they know some that's something that people will want to come see. And I think that being forced to revamp their practices could help theaters do new works because they just can't do Oklahoma, you know, and they can't do these big ensemble musicals and 
things like that. You know, they have to, I think it would be really hard to do a good production of a show that's meant to have tons and tons of people. And I think that that'll force them to do newer and mm -hmm. maybe more innovative pieces. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about with this entire you know, situation is the fact that, you know, after this is over, like, we will always live with the knowledge that this happened and that it can happen again. Mm -hmm. And that and that will, like, fundamentally change the way that we do theater and art and all of that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think and yeah, I think doing new work being forced to not you know not being forced to do stuff that isn't just the norm and a ton of revivals yeah i think that's definitely part of that and also i think you know there's the because like doing if you're doing a play that was meant to have like physical interaction between actors but now it can't then you know, it's one of those things where you have to kind of design techniques around that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, one of the great strengths of live theater is that it's always able to adapt mm -hmm. to yeah. the changing situation and devising new techniques. So that's definitely going to happen. And it's one of those things where because every theater is dealing with it, once someone comes up with a really good design or method everyone's gonna adopt it absolutely yeah yeah no i think th those are all really good points it's um it is going to be really really intriguing to just see how everyone adapts and sort of this almost this imposition on people will hopefully produce even more creativity which could be a like you said lauren hate to say it but a a good thing to come out of the pandemic so yeah so those are all i guess not our serious questions, because not but that our, these next questions are serious. Our long-form questions. Yes, I exactly. <laughs> so we, we have a little series of rapid-fire questions that we're going to ask you, sort of, you know, instinct-based questions. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get into those. So our first one is, which do you prefer to write, drama or comedy? Oh, drama. Okay. Which do you prefer to watch? Probably drama also. Okay, cool. cool. No, r respect to both. Respect to both. Um, what is the favorite place you have traveled? Uh, I really like Portland, Oregon. Oh, cool. I haven't been. Now that we're on the West Coast, we should really go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're much closer than we've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who do you think would win in a fight? Kim Possible or Spider-Man? And I okay. want to add the addendum okay. <laughs> that this Spider-Man is not the Tom Holland Spider-Man. So it is any, any, uh carnation i guess of spider-man that does not have the custom-made iron man suit sure okay both franchises i know very little about i'm gonna say <laughs> i i this is just gonna show my not but i think it's one of those things where i mean i think in any like who would win in a fight you have to do you know determine what is winning but True. i would say I want to say Spider-Man just because of, like, because I feel like his character is like pure agility. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, and I think that would be like one of the biggest assets you could have in a fight like that. Hmm. Yeah, Lauren. Lauren did make a, a face when you said Spider-Man. She. I she, have a pretty she, good argument for Kim Possible. She pushed for this question. She was like, I "We did. have to ask this question." Well, I just think Kim I, Possible has wealth and gadgets on her side and they're both about the same age true both both high schoolers i think right yeah they're both yeah. high schoolers but i don't know kim possible definitely has more training for sure spider-man is just kind of like winging it yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean he's a, but it would be close for sure yeah i mean also like you know if if you defined you know, winning is just like not dying. Then just he could just get away. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. Keep going. <laughs> that's also true. Just Spider Man on the run for the rest of his life from Kim Possible. <laughs> that's fantastic. Someone needs to make a movie about that. That's the crossover oh event yeah. of the century. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just saying Disney owns Marvel. If that's Disney true. has the right to use Spider Man, it could happen. Oh gosh, you know, yeah. I I never saw that Kim Possible. Did you see that Kim Possible live action movie that came out recently? I didn't. I refuse. Yeah. 
I have, I have not seen that. Yeah, I kind of don't want to, because I know no. it'll just be disappointing. Childhood ruining. Anywho, um, <laughs> so which do you like better, cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. Okay. That's cool. a good answer. Good yeah, answer. yeah, I think that's what I'd say, too. In the battle of popular breakfast cereals, which do you prefer, Lucky Charms or Captain Crunch? Uh, Lucky Charms. Mm. Same, same, same. Okay. I, I definitely ate more Captain Crunch in my youth, but I, I respect the Lucky Charms yeah, answer. Yeah. I, well, I, I mentioned earlier that it would be a much closer fight if it was peanut butter Captain Crunch. Mm. Well, I can't eat peanuts, so... Oh! Uh, well, but, there you go. There you go, regular <laughs> Captain Crunch. Lucky yeah. Charms is, yeah. is the well, like, clear. Yeah. With Lucky Charms, I have like a very specific... like I have eaten enough Lucky Charms that I have developed a specific strategy for eating it. So I think Same. I kind of have to go with it. Interesting. Same. Wow, you, you both have connected over this so well, yeah. and it's great. I uh, always eat all the cereal and then save the marshmallows for the end, hmm. personally. Yes! Wow. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Look at this connection. <laughs> <laughs> so now, staying with these two mascots and going back to the fight, in a fight to the death, who wins? The Lucky Charms Leprechaun or Captain Crunch himself? Uh, Cap Cap Captain Crunch, because he knows how to delegate. He's a captain. Ooh, this is true. He can true. get people to do the fight. Like, he can get people to fight more effectively than he can on his own. Mm, this is true. That's a good point. He's got a, he's got a crew. What does Lucky Charms have? A little gold that he can throw? No. <laughs> Fake gold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Yes, okay. How long do you think you would survive in a zombie apocalypse? Um... I'm kind of, I kind of am inclined to, with the people who say that the best thing to do in a zombie apocalypse is to die, die immediately, mm. because that, because like your life is not going to be fun. I agree. Wow. Y'all are connecting on yeah. these questions. No, it's really, I feel like with that question, I would just like probably honestly kill myself immediately. Like, hmm. I don't think my, my will to just live no matter what my quality of life is, is that strong. Really? See, I feel like I feel like I would try to stick it out as long as I could. Mm -mm. I, I don't know if I don't know if that's the optimist in me or the fool in me, but uh, I think that is my opinion on that one. <laughs> uh, our final question for you: mm -hmm. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I don't do karaoke that often, but because I'm really into them right now, I'm gonna have to say something by Green Day. Ooh, that's a good. really, really, good. really good choice. I will like, say. Yeah, I'm trying to think what, like, if there's a song specifically from them, that would be good. Probably Welcome to Paradise, mm. I would say. Good one. That's like, a, I feel it's like a classic one that, like, even if you don't know the, the name, you've probably heard it. For sure. For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Great choice. Yeah, wow. Very good choice. Very good ending. So, yeah, like Lauren said, those are all of our questions. Thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, lo I love you know, listening in podcasts and I want, and of course, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, so if you are listening and you would like to potentially reach out to Ryan to produce this script or see more of their work, uh, their email will be in the description mm -hmm. and feel free to reach out from there. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you again, Ryan. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Bye. All right, bye. Bye. that episode be sure to rate and review us on apple podcasts yes, so you please. know five star ratings always really help but if you can find it in your hearts to write even just a couple words uh you can leave your detour of the week you can roast jackson please that will help move us up the charts even more and help our podcast reach more people two words jackson sucks we'll read that on the podcast i promise you we will promise, pinky promise <laughs> over the airwaves uh also if you want to some more updates on our episodes release, some fun other things that we do. Follow us on our socials. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it is at TGL underscore pod. And then on Facebook, it is... At GreenLightPod. Yes. No spaces, all lowercase. Just look um, that up and you'll find us. We're the one yeah. with the light bulb. Yeah. Ding. Ding. And then our specific socials, mine is uh, at J underscore Woodward underscore C. If you don't know how to spell it, it's in the description below. And mine is, uh, I'm at Lauren Hunkley on Twitter and at Hunkle... Oh, no, wait. Am I? 
Are no, you? I'm oh, at no. Huckleberry. Never mind. A crisis. This a is crisis. a crisis. Well, I have a separate Twitter account that I made that's at Lauren Huckley. Never it mind. It will be in the description it below. It will be in the description. It's Huckleberry. To avoid any you can't spell confusion. That. Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> and then if you want your play to be read, your screenplay to be read, or mm-hmm. your music to be heard on this podcast, please send all of that to tglsubmit at gmail.com. That will also be in the description. Yes. And final thank yous. Thank you to our guests and everyone who came on and helped us on this episode. Thank you to Nicholas Bafia for lending us the equipment that we could not do this without you. And, and thank you to Art Wing for lending us this closet. Yes, true. Thank you, Art. <laughs> That's our landlord. <laughs> and thanks, Mom and Dad, for being you. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Bye. <laughs>